I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. You know what I think most people immediately hear when the beginning of a story starts with the words health insurance? I know, at least, uh, that's what I think, because as has been proven over and over for the last 30, 40, 50 years in America, healthcare and paying for it specifically is insanely complicated and also expensive. We are going to talk about health insurance today, but don't zone out because we're not going to explain it to you. Health insurance is what some people might call a little bit of a hot topic in this day and age, but it's also talked about almost as an abstraction. Like, man, wish more people had it. Man, wish it were easier to understand. And I say that from experience. If you're new to this podcast, you may not know that my husband, Aaron, my first husband, died of brain cancer when he was 35. In 2012, after he had had his first brain surgery to get that brain tumor out of his giant head, we got a letter in the mail, one of those letters that says at the top, this is not a bill, but looks a lot like a bill, and it lets you know what the bill you will eventually receive will look like. That letter told us the exact cost of Aaron's brain surgery and the three days that he had spent in the hospital, which cost more than our house was worth. And no, we didn't live in a great house, but still, holy shnikes, that was a lot of money. And holy cow, we did not have a lot of money. But I've said this a billion times since then, we were lucky when that letter came because it was officially called an explanation of benefits. Because Aaron had started a real full-time job with benefits, the biggest one being health insurance. And health insurance would cover most of that ridiculous bill when it arrived. Now, if you're looking for real economic reporting, I can direct you to APM's Marketplace. And if you like investigations and ripping the lid off stuff, I would recommend you listen to In the Dark, also from APM. But if you want to hear about people's lives, then this is the podcast for you. Because what I can tell you is that for every big abstract system like healthcare, there is a very real human impact. There was for Aaron and me, and there is for Leslie and Gabby. In the hospital, I'm learning English. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the hospital. Yeah. Because she spent so much time in there that yeah. she yeah. just learned it. Leslie and Gabby are a mother-daughter duo. God, they just have such a beautiful energy together. When our interview is over, I just wanted to call my mom. For the record, Mom, I did. Check your messages. This is the daughter, Gabby. She was really young when she had us, so I, to me, she's like my closest friend. Sometimes it feels like my sister. Like my grandma, sometimes she'll say something like, oh, your dad, talking about my grandpa. And it's like, yeah, that's my dad, and she's my sister, and it's okay. <laughs> Gabby is in her 20s, and Leslie is in her early 40s. They actually have kids who are very close in age. Leslie's youngest son, Diego, is seven. 
and Gabby's daughter Luna is just a few weeks younger than him, which is basically the plot of Father of the Bride, too. So before the family move to Minnesota from Mexico, Leslie had been a kindergarten teacher. I remember she put like this big poster in our room um, so we could learn the ABCs because we were having such a hard time at school learning it. And she was just so determined, like, my kids are going to learn it and I'm going to teach them. So she hung this, like, big poster with, like, all the ABCs and it had, like, the animals and everything. And every night before we went to bed, she would sit us right there and she was like, which one's this one? And then she, like, made us learn it. She was so proud about it. When they moved to Minnesota in 2006, Gabby and her twin brother were in middle school. They all moved in with their grandparents, Leslie's parents, and the transition was hard. Leslie wasn't licensed to teach in Minnesota, so she found other work. And to make ends meet for her family, that meant that she had three jobs. At a daycare, at a dry cleaner, and at a restaurant. Which also meant that the kids spent a lot of time with their grandparents. She would come home, eat something, make us something to eat, and go back to work, see her at night. We used to have to put ourselves on the bus. So we had to wake ourselves up. And if we didn't make the bus, it was like, find a way to get to school. Me and my brother always, like, if we had homework we didn't understand, we will help each other. Or making dinner, we will help each other on that. So it, it wasn't hard. Like, I understood that she was working, and I understood she was doing it for us, and that she needed to in order for us to have a life. In order for her kids to have a life... Leslie's life was work, 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 but, I mean, her kids were why she was doing this. She was doing all the right things for the right reasons. Until November of 2012, when she couldn't do it anymore. This is Leslie. ¿Qué fue lo que cambió? Un dolor que me empezó en la pierna. De ahí comenzó todo. So it started with uh, leg pain. De ese dolor de pierna... Fue un dolor de espalda. And then from the leg, it went to my back. Y era un dolor muy, muy intenso, del cual me llevó a dos veces estar en, en sala de urgencias. So it was a really bad pain, and it took me to the emergency room twice. Pero los doctores no... No encontraban nada. Me hacían estudios, radiografías, y pues no, 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 no se explicaban el porqué de ese dolor. Simplemente decían tal vez que era por mucho estrés. No, no me daban una razón concreta de por cuál era ese dolor, qué lo provocaba. The doctors couldn't explain the pain. They did tests and they said that maybe it was because of too much stress, but Leslie has three jobs and three kids. She knows it's not just stress. She knows it can't be just nothing. Fui al doctor nuevamente. La doctora me hizo unos estudios de sangre. Y en la sangre salió que tenía anemia. So it's not nothing. Leslie went back to the doctor. They run more tests, which say that Leslie has anemia. The doctors call an ambulance, and they send her to urgent care at the hospital. De ahí, pues, comenzaron a hacerme más estudios de la sangre porque ya necesitaba yo tras, este, sangre, una transfusión de sangre. 
So they started doing more testing and they told me I needed a transfusion. Lo único que, que más recuerdo es haber visto allá toda mi familia, mi mamá, mis hermanas, mis hijos. Y entró el, el doctor y me preguntó que si quería que estuviera mi familia para que escuchara el diagnóstico. So, the only thing I really remember is just my family being there, my mom, my brothers, my kids. And then the doctor asked if I wanted them to be in the room or if I wanted to receive the news by myself. Pues así me dio la noticia que, que tenía cáncer, que, es, que era cáncer lo que yo tenía. Cancer. Nobody needs that word translated for them. Leslie and her family, her parents, her siblings, her children, are all there with her, hearing that word. <laughs> pues yo sentí morirme en I, ese momento. I feel like dying right there. Porque cuando escuchas una, un diagnóstico así, pues piensas enseguida que es muerte. Because when you hear a diagnosis like that, you just think death. Y pues sí fue muy duro, igual para, para mi familia, porque después de que oí eso, ellos comenzaron a salir del cuarto. Supongo que para llorar sin que yo los viera. And as hard as this is for Leslie, She's thinking about her family, who are there, hearing what she just heard, that Leslie has cancer. I was like, what? <laughs> like, Hold on. And so I, I walked out of the room, and one of my other aunts was at home, so I called her, and I was like, "I, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And I was just, like, bawling my eyes out. Like, it was just, like, it was shocking, like, how? I don't understand. It was just, it was hard to hear. Leslie had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, blood cancer. Leukemia is treatable, usually with chemo and radiation. When Aaron got sick, before that explanation of benefits arrived, I thought immediately, what is this going to cost and how will we pay for it? Because I didn't know how insurance worked. And throughout his treatment, as more and more of those, this is not a bill, letters streamed into our house, letting us know exactly how much money the insurance company had spent to keep Aaron alive, I would think to myself, what the hell would we have done without insurance if we had had to pay for everything at full cost out of our own pockets? What is Leslie going to do? Because Leslie doesn't have insurance. And most Americans don't even have enough money in the bank to cover a $1,000 emergency. And trust me, cancer costs way more than $1,000. So... What happens in this country when you don't have health insurance, but you do have cancer? Llegó la trabajadora social y me habló acerca de una 
aseguranza de emergencia. Que por lo, por lo pronto, pues, no me preocupara mucho por esas cosas que me iban a atender igualmente. The social worker in the hospital tells Leslie not to worry about money right now. They're going to treat her regardless, and she tells the family about something called short-term or temporary insurance. Short-term insurance is meant to cover when you have a gap in your insurance, like between jobs. You can get this type of insurance for only about $100 a month from basically any insurer. It essentially covers emergencies that are life-threatening. So if something catastrophic happens, you'll still be covered. And you can get short-term insurance the same day you're diagnosed. There are a lot of different kinds and different brands, and they cover different things. But for Leslie, the short-term insurance she gets covers her chemo and radiation. So they told you not to worry about it, but did you still worry about it? No, no, yo traté de enfocarme primero en mí, en mi salud. Primero y ya después vendrían las, las cuentas por pagar. I wanted to be okay. I was worried about my health first. Um, and then I just thought to myself, you know, whatever comes next, if it's bills that I have to pay later, then... I'll pay them later. Leslie started the chemo and radiation she needed, but it's not like treatment is the only cost of cancer. Being sick is expensive. There are serious side effects to chemo and radiation. Aaron's job was graphic design, which is a pretty gentle profession, so sometimes he worked from his hospital bed or from home, but Leslie can't do dry cleaning from home. She can't work at a restaurant remotely. Y no porque no quiera, sino porque las circunstancias no, no puedo. Porque, porque se están solo entre el médico y citas y cosas así. Y, y una también de las este, efectos secundarios de, de los tratamientos que he llevado es una neuropatía en mis piernas. Las cuales siempre, esto es que las siento entumidas, adormecidas. She says that it's not because she doesn't want to work, but because of the circumstances. She's going in and out of appointments and doctor's offices. And because one of the side effects of her treatment is neuropathy, which is really terrible. If you've ever seen it, she has it in her legs and it makes them feel numb and asleep all the time. Like, sometimes she won't feel her legs. Like, she'll try to take a step, and then down she goes. Before that started happening with her legs, she actually tried to go back to work, and she went back to work for, like, two weeks. And I, we let her do it, because she was like, I want to feel useful. Like, I want to feel like I'm doing something. But we were like, what are you doing with your life, woman? Like, you need to, like, rest and work on you and then we'll figure it out you know like it's fine we that's that's one thing that I'm really grateful that she never it was never about money and it was never about what we had or what we didn't had it was always about like spending time with each other and just those memories and to this day I it's the same with me it's like I don't even care what car I drive like as long as it gets me where I want to go if it's a nice like beach or it's a nice like restaurant I don't care like I'm gonna get there and I'm gonna enjoy myself with my family I mean I work my husband works my brother works his wife works and you know she stayed with me 
my brother helps out. He, you know, she stayed with him. He, we just all got each other. You know, it's just us. The family all pitched in and made it work. Leslie's leukemia went into remission after about a year, and she got back to work. We are also going to do some work and read you some commercials. And when we come back, so does Leslie's cancer. Love terrible thanks for asking we'll join the club because everyone does just kidding we actually have a club we call it the terrible club and it is a facebook group for me and my friends like hans and the listeners who support our podcast with a donation of five dollars or more a month it's really wonderful and i love seeing everybody become friends and be so nice to each other and see each other through really hard things which is not what you expect of strangers but are we strangers? I mean, you listen to the same podcast every week. Stranger is just a fellow podcast listener you haven't met yet. You can join the Terrible Club if you'd like. We would love to have you. Go to ttfa.org slash donate. There'll be instructions there, I'm pretty sure. Okay, we're back. I hope you all enjoyed those ads. I enjoyed making them. We're back, and it's May of 2014, a few months after Leslie went into remission for her cancer. And like we promised, the cancer comes back. It does that sometimes. But this time, Leslie feels something in her mouth. No tenía otras cosas que me dolieran. O sea, no me dolía, no tenía fiebre. Nada más sentí eso que me salió y fui con el doctor. Y él me dijo, te tengo que hacer una, una biopsia. Pero él cuando me dijo, te tengo que hacer una biopsia, yo dije, no, esto ya no es algo bueno. Yeah, so I didn't feel any pain, like I didn't have any fevers, nothing else hurt. It didn't, my mouth didn't even hurt. I just felt that little bump. And so when I went to the doctor, I told them that I had that. And then he said, we need to do a biopsy. And once he said that, I knew, I knew that there was something wrong. Gabby was pregnant with her second baby, and Leslie was planning the baby shower. Only the two of them knew that Leslie's cancer was back, in the roof of her mouth as lymphoma. But Leslie still plans the shower. She still celebrates this new little person joining their family. I remember just kind of like glancing at her, and she would glance back, and we just kind of, I don't know, It's it, it was weird because... Yeah, it's like you said, it was a big secret. So it's kind of like when you, you know, you look at it, at that other person that knows it. And, and I think you kind of both think about it in your minds. But you're trying not to say anything. And we, I had a good time and it was fun. And I, I didn't really want to make it sad. And I didn't want her to feel bad. 
I wanted her to see that I I was gonna be okay and that I was trying to enjoy my time because she worked so hard on the decorations and just putting everything together and I wanted her to enjoy that. What comes next? More short-term insurance, which covers more chemotherapy treatment. More remission, which doesn't mean cure, which means emotionally you can't really exhale. When the cancer comes back a year later, it's the third time. It's the acute leukemia again, the one that she had the first time. But this time, it's not so simple. This time, the doctors tell Leslie that she has two months to live. Not because there's nothing they can do, but because there's nothing they can do that she can afford. The chemo and radiation that Leslie relied on the first time and that helped her overcome her lymphoma in her mouth, that treatment would be too hard on her body now. That could kill her before the cancer would. The treatment that could help Leslie is a bone marrow transplant. It may not cure her, but it could prolong her life. The success rate for a bone marrow transplant is 85%, and those seem like some pretty good odds to me. But... A bone marrow transplant is not covered by her short-term insurance. It doesn't fall into the emergency treatment category. So without coverage by her emergency insurance and without being able to afford regular insurance, Leslie's next option is to pay for the treatment herself. The ticket price for a bone marrow transplant is about $800,000, which... Um, that's a butt-ton of money. I mean, that is definitely out of my budge, I would say. And I think that when your income is from three uninsured minimum wage jobs, might be out of your ballpark as well. So, then what? Like, there's always a then what? There's always another option. Well, no. For Leslie, two months is two months. Treatment is not available to her. What do you do when you have two months to live? When your youngest kid is six and your oldest daughter is newly married and she's a mother... How do you say goodbye to your family? How do you say goodbye to your life? You go to the most magical place on earth, or at least America. You go to Disney World, okay? Yo me sentía super contenta. I just felt very, very happy. Y me acuerdo y todavía se me pinta la sonrisa. I remember and my smile just goes up. <laughs> No, yo encantada y aún más porque estaba mi familia conmigo. Y ah, fue increíble. 
más cuando conocí a Campanita. Yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. You know, my whole family was with me, and it was even more amazing when I got to meet Tinkerbell. Pues me llevaron de sorpresa hasta eso, porque no me habían dicho dónde, a qué personaje íbamos a entrar a ver. Pero pues toda mi familia sabe que es mi personaje favorito. So they took me as a surprise because I didn't know what um, person we were going to see, which character we were going to see. So, but they all know that I love Tinkerbell. Así es que nos formamos por un rato y ya llegamos para tomarnos la foto con ella y yo, no, voy a llorar, voy a llorar. So we, we got into the line and we waited to go in to take the picture and once we got in and I saw I was like I'm going to cry I'm just going to cry <laughs> literalmente estaba yo emocionada como un niño I was literally excited just like a kid would be sí. ya la entramos a verla y, y la saludé <laughs> <laughs> we came in to see her and I said hi <laughs> y me abrazó y me puso de sus polvitos mágicos and she hugged me and she put some of her um, what's it called the powder dustin Fairy dust, there you go. She put some of her fairy dust on me. And I cried even more. When you only have two months to live, and you're told that you can't afford the treatment that would extend your life, that's what you do. You rely on fairy dust. And if you're really, really lucky, it works. Um, do the fairy dust work? Sí, sí funciona. Yeah, it works. I'm still here. <laughs> or it's sort. I mean, it sort of works. Leslie came back from that trip, and her cancer was still there. But nine months into a two-month prognosis, Leslie is also still here. Talking with me, hugging her daughter Gabby in her studios, smiling. It's unbelievable. Pues así, igual se los médicos. Yep, the Cuando doctors say the same thing when they saw me come back. ¿Qué pasó, Leslie? ¿Qué what happened, Leslie? Yo no sé, doctor. I don't know, doctor. Usted dígame. You tell me. <laughs> Fairy dust. Mm -hmm. Fairy It's dust. Wonderful. You know, I always tell her that. <laughs> I always go, we need to go back and get some more. <laughs> The following statement has not been approved by the FDA. Disney's fairy dust is as effective as chemo and radiation in treating leukemia. The FDA has not approved any of this podcast. I don't know if the FDA listens to podcasts, but I just think that the science is worth looking into. If you're thinking... Thanks a lot, Obama. I thought everyone had to be insured. I guess Obamacare isn't what it was cracked up to be. Well, Leslie can't get Obamacare. Because Leslie is undocumented. And that one word changes everything. It affects everything about Leslie's life and her potential death. Because Leslie paid her income taxes for over 10 years. The things that fund Medicaid and Social Security, but she's undocumented and she can't access those programs. 
Because the jobs that Leslie held and worked around the clock at didn't come with insurance, and insurance is expensive. Because, yes, a bone marrow transplant is available in Mexico, but it's about $250,000. It's not exactly a bargain. Or, as Leslie is worried about, may not be as safe as it is in the U.S. When my husband Aaron was sick, we got the treatment he needed, no questions asked. It was just covered. We had thousands of dollars of drugs in our refrigerator. When his brain tumor came back, as cancer tends to do, he got another very expensive brain surgery. He got more chemo. He got more radiation. What all of this comes down to is just luck. Aaron got hired just in time to get some fantastic insurance. Leslie worked at jobs that didn't offer health insurance, making money that wouldn't come close to covering a family of five. Aaron was born in Anoka County, Minnesota. Leslie was born in Mexico. Her son Diego was born in the U.S. He's a citizen, but she's not. Which means, even if she could move to Mexico and crowdfund $250,000 for a bone marrow transplant, she'd be uprooting her son from the only home he's ever known or leaving him behind. Healthcare and immigration sometimes sound like abstractions, but there's a real human impact to every policy. We say that human life is invaluable. We can't put a number on it. But that's what this entire system does. Numbers are run. Values are ascribed. Limits are met. And the impact of that is that people like Leslie, who have paid their income taxes, who have paid into a system that doesn't support them, don't get what people like Aaron get. Now... When people say things like... They'd bankrupt the whole system. I want to say, you know what feels like it should bankrupt the system? It feels like what should bankrupt the system is that the average pay for a healthcare CEO in 2016 was $20 million. Like Steve Helmsley from United Health Group, which is here in Minneapolis made $33.4 million in 2016, which it just makes you think, does he get paid bi-weekly? <laughs> like, does he have direct deposit? And how can a bank hold that much money? I know it's not all physical money, but don't you just imagine that he must have insulated his home with $100 bills? Or... I mean, I just want to immediately translate that into a certain number of mattresses he could fill with that money. Scrooge McDuck pools. It feels like that might be like more of an expense than uh, getting someone a bone marrow transplant. But again, who am I to say? But people say things like that. And people say things like... Well, we can't take care of everybody. And... I guess I would just ask, would you feel the same way if we were talking about your family? If it was your mom whose life hung in the balance? And 
when people say, Look, those people made the choice to come here illegally, so this is what they get. I say what Leslie says. It's muy cruel. That's very cruel. ¿Por qué no quieren? ¿Por qué no aceptan una ayuda? Que nos ayuden. Que nos ayuden. Eso es lo que ahora yo pido. Que, que me ayuden. She said, yeah, it's hard. Para like, poderlo tener. Like, I just, I just want no soy help. ninguna delincuente. Yo no estoy robando en la calle. Yo no... Yo vine aquí a trabajar. Yo por eso vine. Yo pago mis impuestos, aunque estoy indocumentada. Yo pago impuestos. Yo quiero ir con todo, con todo en regla, todo, hacer las cosas lo mejor que yo puedo en este país. I'm not a delinquent. I don't steal. I'm not in the streets. I work. I pay my taxes, even though I'm not documented. I still pay taxes. I do everything by the law. So when people say, Well, that's just the way things work. Okay, with that kind of thinking, we'd be stuck with roller skates instead of zipping around on rollerblades. Right? These systems are built by people, for people. And if people invented this, I'm sure they could invent something even better. It sucks. Because it's like, it's it's there. Like, it's there. You know, like, it's... Even my family and I can, like, we can donate an organ for anybody else, you know? And I'm so willing to do that for anybody if it's going to save their life. <laughs> but somebody else can do that for her <laughs> just because she wanted to give her kids a better life. It just sucks, you know, because you would think that you would think that it shouldn't matter in order to save somebody's life. It shouldn't matter. Like, you know, we're all the same. So it it sucks that it's there and that it's so easy to just put her on a list and get a match or my brother and me be a match or any family member of mine be a match and do it. But it's not possible, you know? It's just sad. It's just sad. Because I would totally jump to, like, if I was a match for somebody, I would totally do it. If it's gonna give them a year two years, even three months more with their family, with their kids. I want you to do some visualization with me. Close your eyes unless you're driving and imagine a big pool filled with money. I want to make a joke about liquid assets. I will refrain. So you're imagining this pool, right? The current American healthcare insurance system means some people pay into that big pool, and then when they get sick, they get the money they need out of it. Some people are locked on the other side of the gate from the pool. They can't even get into the pool. And some people get so much splash from that pool, they can fill their own swimming pool 
It means that as much as we say and we want to believe otherwise, some lives are worth more than others. But why? Because access to insurance in America is often tied to your job and some jobs and the people who do them are more valuable? Because having more money makes you more valuable? Because where you're born is more valuable? So for Leslie, what happens now? The fairy dust is still working. It got her healthy enough to start back on chemo and radiation to try to stop the cancer from spreading to her brain. But after that, even if the chemo and radiation get the cancer to go into remission, she'll still have it. Her bone marrow can keep producing cancerous cells. Without that transplant, there's no chance for a cure. Leslie doesn't know how much time she has left. And for people who are like, oh, none of us do, just stop, you know, it's not the same. This is the part of the show where I unveil my five-part plan for overhauling our country's healthcare system and announce my candidacy for President of the United States with my current senior producer and future running mate, Hans Butow. McInerney Butow 2020. 2024? 2028? 20... Probably not going to run. I got a lot of other stuff going on. And... I know I'm going to get well actually lead, and I look forward to those tweets. I know that there are no simple answers, but I have to think that whatever your background or your politics, we can at least agree on this simple idea, which is that when you are sick and there is something that could help you, you deserve more than just fairy dust. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McInerney. Our senior producer is Hans Buto. Our music is by Joffrey Wilson. You're no, no, no. That's the wrong order. Wrong order. Hans uh, Buto. I mean, can I? Can, I can do them in any order I want. Right? They're credits. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McInerney. Our senior producer is Hans Buto. Um, he is a married man who owns a dog and belongs to a co-op. Drives a hatchback. One of the things you need to know about him. That sums it up. Good. Uh, we got production help from Jacob Maldonado Medina, our former intern and now just colleague, I guess. She grows up fast. Hannah Meekock-Ross is our project manager. We have said goodbye to one of my personal favorite interns, Muna Sheikhumar. She is... Hope, you know, she's the kind of person who listens to the credits. Muna, you are a treasure. Have fun in Somalia. Tell your mom I said hi. Um, what else do we say? Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. You can look him up on the internet. I think you'd really like a lot of his music. We are a production of APM, American Public Media. I'm a production of Stephen Margaret McInerney, circa 1982. Gross. <laughs> 